Happy Mother's Day, everyone. Welcome to church. Um, I want to just like follow the flow that um, Becca's kind of set and Jack and Scott have set and just honour the mums in the house today, Um, especially kind of broach an awkward topic of like mums who want to be mums and can't yet be mums or mums who have may, may have lost babies. Um, just want to particularly honour you guys and know that I have been so blessed by women in the church who have stepped into mother figures for me and just want you to be reminded that motherhood is so much a matter of the heart. So um, don't be disheartened, don't feel discounted um, and know that the community that is within the church is just so, um, so, uh, what's the word? And it's like, I'm not going to be able to think of it now, but just like so blessed by women in the church, whether or not you have bear children, whether or not you have grown up children who have moved out. I have been so blessed by women in the church and I know that I'm not the only one. So just want to honour you guys and continue the theme of um, Mother's Day being awesome. Um, And to youth mums, myself. Love you guys. (laughs) Um, So for those of you who may be new here, hi Steph, Um, or have kind of missed the memo for the last five months, our vision for the year is on fire. And um, Graham started us off two weeks ago with um, a mini-series going through the attributes of fire. So he started us off with the burning. Uh, Steve continued it last week with the regenerating of fire. And this week for Mother's Day, we are um, talking about comfort. So um, the comfort that you feel in front of a fire and um, pick specifically for Mother's Day. Um, we are told numerous times throughout the Bible about how God is the comforter. And there's actually a verse in 2 Corinthians that references the word comfort nine times. So the first line of it is, Praise be to God the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of compassion and the God of all comfort, who comforts us in all our trouble so that we can comfort those in any trouble with the comfort we ourselves receive from God. And this repetition just shows us the importance of comfort as a facet of God. So um, I'm really honoured to be able to bring a message around this today and um, and just hopefully encourage you in the season where you're at that there is comfort promised for you. Um, so before I start and before we kind of go through the scriptures, I'm just going to pray. Um, if you would just close your eyes and join with me that, Lord, we are so thankful that your presence is here with us today, Lord, and that it doesn't just live in four four walls of church on a Sunday, but it goes with us through every season of life. Lord, I pray as we open your word today that the the words would just jump off the page and come alive to us, Lord, and we will continue to encourage us through this week, through this season, and through our whole lives, Lord. We love you and we pray in the precious name of Jesus. Amen. Um, So there's a scripture in the book of Psalms that's quite well known. Um, A lot of songs reference it. Coolios references it, which is awesome. Um, But a lot of people would also know it from like kids' church or um, Sunday school or just songs in church. But it's Psalm 23. And um, the interesting thing about it is that it's not written as a story, but it's written as a testimony. And so David, who writes the Psalms, a lot of the Psalms, starts off by saying, The Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing. And that one liner there is kind of... um, a title 
or an invitation to kind of help us explore what he means. So that's the introductory line and it should have like a colon after it, right? Because it's, we're about to find out what he means by the Lord is, is his shepherd. And he gives three really great but really different examples about how the Lord is his shepherd and what it means for him to lack nothing. And I really believe that this morning um, we can use those three examples to speak into different seasons of our life and how we can find the comfort of God in them. Um, So the first one is, I think, verse 2. And it is what I'm going to call the season of stillness. And the verse says, He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He refreshes my soul. He guides me on right paths for His namesake. I think reading this, that is the most awesome season ever. From the outset, it just sounds like that is the dream, laying with the Lord in the, in the meadow, walking along the streams. Just You can't even fathom how peaceful it would be sitting in a garden with the creator of the universe. That seems like the ultimate refreshment. But remembering that this is a testimony about, the, about God being our shepherd, we remember that God has led him there which means that maybe David didn't even want to be there. And in all of the translations, it says that he makes me lie down. So those of us who have felt forced unwillingly into this season of stillness or into a season of waiting or one where it's felt like isolation, one where it's felt like nothing is happening, felt like they've been lonely, feeling like they're never going to get through it, This is the season that we're talking about here. Not necessarily one that we just feel awesome like we've been at the day spa, but one that we feel like the Lord is forcing us to be still. And that can be a hard one to walk through. To find comfort in being still, not feeling like you're in the hustle of the world, not feeling like you're finding your value from a job or from being busy or from the rat race finding value in yourself from the things that the world says is important. But in a season where you feel like you can't do anything, God still says you're valuable. He still says that your company is worth it. He still says that you are important. And that can be a big mindset shift for a lot of people. This time of waiting, this time of loneliness, where the quiet, quiet waters know that there are streams ahead. Where the water flows slowly, there is currents ahead. And so use this time to be refreshed by the Lord. Use this time to learn comfort, even though your feet are itching to move. Even if you have all of the great ideas, you want to get moving, you want to build momentum, you want to get over it. Use this time to grow familiar in God's presence. Read his word without demanding answers, without begging for a job. Scrap the rat race and use this time to learn the unforced rhythms of his grace. Lay some foundations during this time. Are you enough without a job? Without people knowing who you are or what you do? Or do you need the validation of knowing to be 
someone important or doing something of importance. Let this time of stillness reassure you that without anything happening, without anything important on your Instagram feed, without anything being added to your resume, with no one telling you you're doing a good job, that you are still infinitely valuable to the Lord, that he enjoys your company and longs to be in this day-in, day-out relationship. In the stillness, learn to love and be loved by your God, because he is enough. In this season, without friends, without a job, without purpose, you still lack nothing because God is your shepherd. So that's the first season, the one that kind of from the outset sounds awesome. Those who are in a season of waiting knows that there are challenges within, challenges that make you question your identity. There are challenges, but there is comfort, my friends. Um, the second season is the one that is most heavily quoted, I think. And it is what I'm calling the season of darkness. Sorry, I just sniffed into the microphone. Can't wait for the podcast. I'll do it again. Um, this one says, Even though I walk through the darkest valley, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. So, where it says, even though I walk through the darkest valley. Other translations say, the sunless valley of the shadow of death. And some just say, death valley. And the Passion Translation says, even when your path takes me through the valley of the deepest darkness. We're not talking about a literal valley here. We're not even talking about a bad day. We're talking about this season of a valley. Resume. Um, oh, I'm the worst. Um, this kind of darkness, this kind of valley, is one that feels like it is your whole world. And if you are going through, you have been through, or you, an, a season is imminent where you have to walk through a valley like this, you know about it because it totally consumes you. It changes the way you view things. It changes the way you think about things. It stifles your hope. It destroys your joy. This kind of valley makes it feel like there is no light at the end of the tunnel. It obstructs everything in your life, your relationships. It feels like the darkness is coming against you on all sides. And where is the comfort in this? Who knows? But amidst our darkest days, it's it's the easiest time for us to question God, to turn from God and to say, oh, thank you, Jean. Oh, thanks, Noreen. Love this. Thanks so much. Um, now I feel like I want to like bite my nose in front of everyone. <laughs> anyway, so... Amidst a dark time, we can all admit that that is when it feels easy to turn from God, when it is easy for us to say, where were you? Or where are you? I need you and you have let me down. How could you let this happen? I think that we have all or we all know someone who has been in a circumstance like this where it just feels like situation after situation after situation just keeps getting worse and worse and worse. But David, in his lowest point of his life, we see him say, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. And straight after that, he says, your rod and your staff, they comfort me. 
And I've got to admit, when I first read this, I was like, ooh, the rod and the staff. Like, I feel like that sounds like Old Testament God, you know, like real, like, disciplinary and scary and authoritative and all of these things that don't sound like comfort to me. <laughs> but when we know this analogy of the darkest valley, you imagine a kind of single path that goes through it. It doesn't go around the dark valley. It doesn't go over. It goes straight through the middle. And you can imagine just navigating this small, narrow path and the comfort that you would feel if every time you kind of took a stumble or took a skewed step or made a wrong decision and you feel the shepherd's staff nudge you back on, tap you back on, remind you that there is a path that goes straight through and at the end of that path there is light. Can you imagine how comfortable you would feel, how reassured you would feel? You would feel consolation. You would feel the reminder that the presence is there to protect you, to guide you and to lovingly see you through this dark valley. Every... This is... For me, the the difference between this season and the one where you're laying down in the green pastures is that David moves, he says, even though I walk through, he's not laying down here. And so it reminds me that God's comfort, it can look so different in so many different seasons. He's not forcing you to stop here. He's not saying, take a pit stop, enjoy my comfort, enjoy the, the rod and the staff and this like narrow path with me. He's saying, you keep walking. I will guide you. I will correct you. I'll encourage you. There's no time for wallowing in your dark season. There's no laying down. You keep walking while you're going through these dark times. You take one step in front of another. And if you linger, if you stumble, if you start to go off course, take comfort knowing your shepherd is right behind you with a rod to protect you and a staff to to guide you and encourage you and have the strength to carry you if you need. And sometimes that looks like a kick in the butt. So if you need a kick in the butt in your dark valley, this is for you today, my friend, that you get back up, you stop laying down, you stop wallowing and you keep walking towards the light, towards the promise and according to God's will. This is your, um, what do we call it? The staff. Anyway, seems harsh, but, but loving, so that's important. <laughs> but being a Christian doesn't mean there are no dark times. Don't think that because you're going through a hard time, it means you're walking against the will of the Lord. It means that you have to find your peace and find your strength and search for this comfort, even amidst the darkest times. You know, the longer I live as a Christian, the more clear it becomes that comfort in a biblical sense is not a noun, it's a verb. It's about being comforted and knowing comfort instead of living in comfort. We're not called to live within the comfort zones and live this mediocre life. We're called to go through these valleys. We're called, we're called to get in uncomfortable situations and know the comfort of the Lord despite what it looks like. Let me speak straight to those of you who are going through a valley right now, who have illness pounding in their life, who have loved ones who have turned from them, broken relationships, addiction that does not give up. Look for God's comfort here and be reassured that where there is darkness, there will be light. And where there are valleys, there will be peaks. If you walk faithfully through this time and consider each decision 
Compare each step against God's loving correction. You will know comfort despite what your life looks like. And that is honestly the greatest strength and the the strength and the peace that God promises us throughout the Bible. And then the third season of of, um, Psalm 23 is the season of confrontation. And this is in verse 5, so the second last verse of this um, passage. And it says, You prepare a table before me. In the presence of my enemies, you anoint my head with oil and my cup overflows. So if you're not familiar with the Bible or common analogies or anything like that, this can seem a little bit weird. So, But to br- briefly explain what's happening here, God has prepared a table for David, laid a spread and invited him as the guest. He, at the anointing of oil was a custom of the time and it was a tradition for the host to provide this full cup for the guest. And I think that when um, the cup was full, it, it was all happy times and the guest was still welcome. And then when it became empty, it was time for the guest to like push on. Um, so we get this picture of David being the absolute guest of honour when his cup is overflowing and the Lord is so happy to host him. And also, the anointing the head with oil... Before I came in here today, Jack and I actually pulled into the car park at the same time as Brigitte. And as soon as Brigitte saw me, she said, I just want to anoint your head with oil before we go in. And, you know, we believe that that's a divine appointment. But being anointed by someone you love is such a special experience. And it just felt like the Lord reminding me how how intimate it is to have someone anoint your head with oil it is it might seem like a bit creepy from the outside if you don't understand the anointing or um, God's word so much but it is such a precious and intimate experience with someone that this is the idea that David is trying to convey Um, but the idea of God inviting David over as the guest of honor seems awesome and seems amazing and seems like this experience that would just be once in a lifetime. But it says, in the presence of my enemies. I feel like that would be the most uncomfortable thing in the whole world, to have a meal in the presence of your enemies. Correct me if I'm the only one imagining your enemies around trying to sit and concentrate on what God's saying and enjoying this moment, I feel like it would be horrendous. But, maybe just me, I'm not talking about people here, but give your enemies a name to imagine this analogy. We're talking about drugs. We're talking about alcohol. We're talking about lying. We're talking about adultery. We're talking about these things that you cannot shake from your life but still seem to have such an authority over you. The voice is ongoing and they seem to just have so much control over you. These are the enemies we're talking about. And still God sets up the table, not away from that, but in the middle of your chaos. And when we accept an invitation to dine or live with the Lord, it doesn't mean we get to run away from our problems that we become immune to the presence or forget what those voices around us sounds like, but God gives us an opportunity to face them, to be in their presence and see and know and learn that he holds the ultimate power and he holds the ultimate authority. The more focus we put on God during this time, the more faded those voices of the enemy become. The more familiar you become with the voice of your father, the more you can differentiate and tell the other voices where to go. 
the constant temptation to have one more drink, the memories of abuse that lay on the forefront of your mind, the hurt that stops you from talking to new people, the presence of your God and his constant comfort gives you relief. It fills the void so you don't have to live on this diet of lives, but instead you live on the bread of life and your identity is being beautifully rewritten by the creator of the universe. Um, I'm just going to get the band back up. Nearly finished. Um, But our whole Christian life is all about this table, the table that Jesus invites us to join him at. And the reservation for us to be invited to this table cost him everything. It was paid for with the highest price and the invitation was solely extended to you. During his ministry, Jesus said, Truly I tell you, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never hunger and whoever believes in me will never thirst. And that is the ultimate comfort knowing that despite our season, whether we're still waiting for answers, whether we're trudging through the darkness, Jesus has prepared a table for us. And the cup is overflowing for you, my friend, because we are the guests of honour. And in the presence of your enemies today, you can laugh because you dine with the highest King and the Lord of all. In you, he has seen worth. And if you haven't heard that for a while, or if that's something you've forgotten, let me remind you that in you, he sees worth. He sees value in your darkest hour amidst the most chaotic life, amidst the darkest, worst mistakes you've ever made. He sees worth. You are known and you are loved. And all we have to do is change our ways from sitting in the presence of the enemy and accept the invitation to dine with our Lord. And not for half an hour, not for a couple of hours on Sunday, not for the whole of Sunday, but for the whole of our lives, God has promised us comfort. The last verse in this scripture is David making a declaration. And the band's going to play. I'm going to close in prayer. And I would love for you to know that the invitation is extended to you. To repent means to say sorry and to change our ways. And for us to enter the kingdom, Jesus says that we declare with our mouths and believe with our hearts that he is the saviour of the world. So would you join me? Would you stand? And can we pray together? God, we are so thankful. And we are so undeserving of an invitation this morning, Lord. God, you are the King of kings. You are the comfort in the darkest hour and you are our Saviour. Lord, we apologise for anything we've, do, we've done to entertain enemies at our tables throughout our lives, Lord. And instead this morning we choose to sit with you, to listen to you, to know you and to give our lives to you, God pray that your Holy Spirit this morning would come over our congregation, Lord. That we would have hearts open to receive your word, to receive your changing, to receive your encouragement, your correction, your guidance and your comfort, Lord. Pray that people who have been uncomfortable for years of their life would know the peace and the comfort that you promise us, Lord. And God, I just want to pray over the last verse of that scripture that surely your goodness 
and surely your love will follow us all the days of our lives and we will dwell in the house of the Lord forever because of what you have done, Lord Jesus. And we pray in the mighty and precious name of our Saviour. Amen.